If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. The trials and challenges of life take their toll on every couple. But you refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. This is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we're on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. This is episode 46 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast, and we are your co-hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. This is the podcast for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. Yeah, each week we're bringing you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and of course, a challenge that will help you build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we have a whole lot of fun and laughter along the way. So let's get started. Um, So in this episode, we talk about perspective. And I have to share, in the beginning of our marriage, I would always stop grumbling. When Justin would start grumbling and have a bad attitude about Harumph. something some something tough that he was going through, I would come up to him very sweetly as his new-ish wife and say, Honey, you know, let's think it could be worse because blah, 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 or they're starving children and whatever. And I would try to offer a fresh perspective that would quote unquote make him feel better. And I would politely say, no, thank you. No, you wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't. I hate that. It feels like you minimize um, Mm, pain that you're like, like discounting what I have to say or, or where I'm at. Yeah. Like uh, people will throw around the term uh, first world problems and it's uh, like I get perspective. Mm-hmm. And when you're in the middle of something, it, it's, it's, it matters. Like it doesn't matter if, if it's stubbing your toe on your Lamborghini mm-hmm. or you, your friend's plane exploded and everybody's dead. <laughs> like... It, it matters. Yeah. And I, I think what Adrian and Jason bring to the show today, they talk about a perspective that they gained through the death of their son, Noah, is that they came to this perspective on their own or with God. It wasn't a cliche that somebody handed to them and they thought, oh, yeah, that's a good perspective. I'll have that perspective. It was a perspective that they gained through a lot of soul searching, a lot of prayer, and just a lot of time together. So I just, I think that was, that is a good way that perspective is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> you, you guys are going to love this. It's fantastic. But first, uh, I want to take just a moment to ask you to hit pause and go over and review and rate the show. Um, this is so important. Those reviews and like the, the rating star things are, are how iTunes determines whether or not to, to promote us in, in different ways as people search for help with their marriage. Yeah, we just want to be able to reach as many couples as possible that want um, inspiration and can find our podcast, Legendary yeah. Marriage. So take a minute and jump on iTunes and rate and review the show for us. We read every one of those. We appreciate it. And it helps us know how we're doing and it helps other couples find us. Yeah. So like we said, today on the show, we have Adrian and Jason Graves. Um, and they're going to share the story of losing their eighth, 
eight-month-old son to an unknown illness and how it gave them a fresh new perspective. Yeah, Adrian is a writer and a founder of a nonprofit aimed at creating spaces where people can share their stories. Jason also does work globally with nonprofits, and they've been married for 24 years. They've had seasons of totally being in love and others where they very truly drove each other crazy. (laughs) Yeah, Adrian and I met when we were both kind of following God's calling to pack up our family and move cross country. Um, It was a crazy time in both of our lives, and we were there to be a sounding board for each other. You know, people can tell you you're crazy when you do those kinds of things, when, you know, God has a calling on your life and you're just acting on it. So um, she's a sister of, you know, doing crazy things with her family. And I'm so glad to have Adrian and Jason Graves on the show. Welcome you two. So we are joined today on the podcast by Adrian and Jason Graves. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks. Hi, Hello. guys. Good morning. So, I'm first. Just kidding. Right out of so, the gate. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is going to be a fun interview because these guys uh, like to banter back and forth just like we do. But um, Adrian, I actually met on a Destiny Project retreat about a couple of years ago. And um, I know that... Um, I know. If- I'm, I'm so excited to actually meet you because I've heard tale. Yeah. Legends. Yeah. I'm a legend. Good, good thing. I'm a legend, legend of Adrian. She's yeah. she's a storyteller. She's a blogger. Um, what I know of Jason is he is a, uh, a jack of all trades. He can rip apart a house and put it back together. That's the that's the legend on the street. Is that true, Jason? Yes, that's true. That's <laughs> that's my day job, and my hobby is working for nonprofits. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So really quick, I want to ask a question here. So in the remodeling world, when I think we've all had a moment where you've looked at a project and gone, I am so far in over my head. And you just, you, you kind of want to stand there and just cry. Have you had that moment? Have you or had that moment? And what was us? it? <laughs> uh, no, that actually never happens to me. Oh, the, just bigger, the, the bigger the challenge, the, the more I enjoy it. Oh my goodness. All yeah, right. I, yeah, I haven't That's either. his side of things. There have been times I just sit down and I go cry or I'll <laughs> like eat chocolate or something. Like I just, or I just run away. I'm like, look, it's just, it's too much. Uh, unfortunately, I probably become obsessive about solving the problem. And that that's. He's a mathematician. He, ha- he has to solve the problem. Sure. Yeah, it has to work somehow. Now you said y'all have a nonprofit. Tell us a little about your nonprofit. No, so my day job is nonprofit. So I lead global marketing for World Vision. Um, and Adrian, you have awesome. a, you have your own nonprofit. Tell us a little bit about that. I do. It's called Bevy, and it's a word that was used pretty um, fluidly in the fifties. It's it means a group of girls or a group of something. And um, our heart is to foster and create safe spaces, um, candid spaces for women to share their stories with authenticity. Awesome. I love like Adrian's heart for women sharing their stories is just the idea that it's going to bring you closer together if you can share your story. And, you know, I feel, I feel like a lot of people, you know, which it's challenging to stay connected um, on that really heart level. Sometimes it feels very scary and vulnerable. And for you to create a space to do that, I think it's um, definitely amazing. So it's scary and vulnerable, but I think that's, 
that's the whole point is life's too short to live pretentious boxed up lives. So um, we all have our, our, our fears and these things that we bring to the table. But um, if we all just present perfect fronts, how can we actually get to know each other's hearts? Right. So. Amen, sister. Amen. So now how long have y'all been married? In July or the end of, end of June, we will be married 25 years. So a little over 24. Amazing. Now I bet you guys have some crazy story of love in the early years because Adrian, she's a storyteller. So we got to hear some good stories here. Well, there's that one time that we took a couple hundred teenagers to Siberia because we dreamt of traveling around the world. And I had kind of thought like Condé Nast type of traveling. Exotic travel. You know, exotic. But instead... On the um, back of elephants. Elephants and camels. (laughs) But instead, we're in Siberia with a couple hundred teenagers and some other friends. And we were... Well, there's that time Jason was doing, no, yeah, we're killing doing mosquitoes on the wall with <laughs> flip flops. And yeah. um, we were sleeping in cots and taking, dormitories. taking group showers. Post, with, post-Soviet Union dormitories. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. And we were married. Siberia. Um, yeah, what we're, made we're you think married. you should go to Siberia? I just, that is like the last place on earth I think anybody would ever choose to go. What, what made you think to go there? I, I actually don't think it was a choice. I think we were assigned that. So it was an organization that took teens around the world. And so they, uh, you know, for young adults or young marrieds, they gave, they basically gave you a free trip, right? So your, your skin in the game was to lead the trip and they paid for your costs. And so we're like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And um, so we signed up and that's where they assigned us. Yeah. The most we, exotic place in the world. Kind of awesome. awesome. One of the kids at the market one week bought um, a padded toilet seat mm-hmm. that we stuck a nail on the wall of the dorm. And I'm not even kidding. And Danielle, your face. I see it, <laughs> girlfriend. But we had a nail on the wall. And if you really needed to like actually sit and spend some time at the commode, you took that padded toilet seat i think it had butterflies on it yeah and, embroidered um, butterflies and uh you could actually sit down well in russia they don't because they didn't toilet have toilet seats. seats it was just the, the hard porcelain rim okay now what did you do to this organization that they punished you by sending you to siberia <laughs> it was great i mean it, we had a great the time. stories uh it's a summer we'll never forget we went to venezuela with them we went to mexico i um, resuscitated a girl in the back seat of a car driving through the streets of chihuahua on the way to the er um yeah I mean, she made it. Yes. But we found out she had a congenital heart condition that manifested in Mexico on this trip. And that was with like 500 kids. Then that same summer, we had seven kids hooked up to IVs because you're always supposed to eat what's placed before you in a foreign land. And they they showed up to this um, like village church out in the country. And there are lots of chickens and, and perros running around outside. And then... And then when they were done with their time together and they're going to sit down and have dinner. There was, there was fewer chickens. There were fewer chickens. Yeah, <laughs> fewer chickens. But the chickens clearly hadn't been cooked All to completion. Way. So um, we had a bunch of kids with salmonella. Even a dad, he had salmonella. So. Did you have the padded toilet seat for that trip too? We should have. <laughs> we should just carry that with us all the time. Yeah. 
seriously. I don't know. I don't know what ever happened to that thing. But we have some crazy marriage stories. Oh. Now, I'm wondering, so in the early years, you know, you signed up to get married. You're like, okay, I think I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this guy, this girl. What did you think or what did you hope marriage would be when you said I do? So we were 21 when we were, when we got married. So I think ignorance is bliss. I don't think we had a, I don't think we had a flipping clue what it actually meant, honestly. Um, but that was probably, that was probably to our advantage. Sure. We've been kind of winging it and figuring it out as we go. And we admit, um, that we don't know what the heck we're doing, but we love each other. And, and Jason said to me at one point, cause we've walked through some really hard times with some good, good friends. And, you know, he said, Adrian, there isn't really, but I don't know, what'd you say? There isn't a time that I, um, I've thought to myself, I'd rather do this life without you, but like with somebody else, you know? And, um, yeah, I, we, we try to remain intentional. I'm the one who like reads the books, like back in the day of like, what is it? The, um, 10, the 10 five ten, languages or yeah, something. all that kind of stuff. And I try to figure it out, but it, when it comes down to it, it, it's all about being intentional. And, uh, I've even had, you know, realized that I was assuming things that, you know, like the distance between us or something um, in certain seasons that it was him, but I realized it was me too, because I was, I was probably listening more to what I thought in my head than actually going to him. Cause he's a, if you know, Enneagram stuff, he's a five, like 100%. Right. And what does that mean for our listeners that oh, don't yeah. know the Enneagram? You say it because you're the one who oh read the gosh. book. I actually didn't read this book. He pursued it on his own. I can't even remember the figure. So five, five would be somebody who is bent more towards analytical um, processes, emotions. It takes time to process emotions before verbalizing them. Internally. Um, yeah, processing them internally. Um, so in the heat of the moment, you know, their advantages, they're pretty calm and collected, um, but can, can come across somewhat detached. Um, yeah. So that's me. And that's not you, Adrian. <laughs> I'm all out there. I am like, <laughs> I'm all out there. Yeah. I'm pretty. So I can imagine that some, um, challenges in the early years with the, uh, actually two... there were more of the mid years. Don't you think? Oh yeah, I would say it was. Yeah, more more probably recently than in the early years. Yeah, I think you. I, I think it ebbs and flows, right? You always have times in your life, and times in your marriage, and times in your walk where, you know, you're closer to God or closer to your spouse, and you know it's up and down. And so, you know, I think it's I think it's a journey, and and you're continually called towards more responsibility um, and, you know, greater levels of depth. And so, yeah, I think in the early years, again, we, you know, we didn't know what we were doing and that was probably good. And um, we're really busy. Like he was getting his master's and his PhD at the, the first seven years of our marriage. And I had a job in leadership development at a um, college up in St. Paul and we just, we had stuff going on. I think it got yeah. harder when we're, when we're like, oh my gosh, 
we're parents. Like now, what the heck do we do, right? And a lot yeah. changed there. Now um, we're parents of a teenager. Now we're yeah. Now we have a teenager and a seven year old, and we're like, okay. And that's one thing we've said with our teenager, and and I think we've even said to one another in marriage, just like I don't know. I've never been a mother to a you know a teenager before. Right. Send me some grace. I've been a teenager, but it doesn't mean I know how to parent one. So let's figure this out together. Right. So I love how you're saying like different seasons bring different challenges. And, you know, it sounds like no matter what you two turn back to each other, it's like, we're going to figure this out together. We're going to, you know, go shoulder to shoulder on this. And, you know, hopefully you've got my back and I've got yours, but all the, all the challenges that come with marriage, what do y'all think has been, been one of your biggest challenges so far in marriage? The, the time in our life when that was probably the most difficult was when we lost our son. So uh, Noah uh, passed away when he was seven months old. Uh, he spent the last five months of his life at Children's Hospital of Colorado, Denver. In Denver. Yeah. Children's Hospital, Denver. <clears throat> So, and at the time Emily was four. And so literally for five months, we never left him alone and Adrian would stay at the hospital one night and I would stay at home with Emily the next night. And then we would rotate back forth, back forth. So, um, uh, you know, that, that, that was the, probably the most difficult time in our marriage. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think what we learned in that is what, what you said, Danielle, which is, um, grace and forgiveness and to go to each other and, um, yeah, not, um, yeah, not, not put up walls and not, not, not blame, but, you know, we were, we were, you know, as you can imagine that situation, you're never on the same page and dealing with, you know, very difficult decisions and emotions with, you know, the health of our son and, um, trying to be on the same page, but obviously having different perspectives. And so, yeah, I think, I think being selfless and I don't know, what would you add? Well, I I think early on in that experience, we look, we turn towards each other and realize, I mean, because the human condition, right. We're going, we want to point a finger and we have to blame somebody. And Jason and I knew that the other wasn't to blame right? So we're both in the same situation, but we were, like he said, from different perspectives. So for instance, I just had this knowing that I knew what it was like to be a mom, to be in love with this boy, and to like feel this heartache and this despair of not knowing what, what the future held and whether he was going to live or die. And then at the point where we knew he was going to pass away, just that my perspective was, I had no idea though, what it was like to be a dad to lose a son because I didn't know what it was like to be a dad. Right. So just giving that grace to one another that um, we did have a different perspective and that there were times that he would be up and ready to like conquer the world and I would be completely down or vice versa. You know, I was going to, you know, take on the CDC or whatever. And, and he was sitting bedside being like the stable one, you know, so um, just recognizing that. And even in the grief process following um, 
there are days and different things that'll remind us, you know, we have a seven-year-old son now who, I mean, there isn't a moment that I see his face and I don't think, wow, I cannot believe how much he looks like Noah. But at the same time, he isn't Noah and I don't expect him to be Noah. And, um, but whatever experiences Jason has as a, a bereaved father, they're going to be different. And so just to keep, keep that in mind, it's not an exact experience. Mm-hmm. We have different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, and I know you, you, you don't get over something like that, but how did you guys find a way to move forward? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I would say one, well, yeah, you never get over it. You have a new reality. You have a new perspective. You have a new appreciation for different things. Um, I think probably one of the best things for me personally that we did is we went to a grief group, um, grief counseling. So it was put on the, you know, it was put on by the hospital for, for parents who had lost children. And, um, yeah, I remember the first night you, you divide, they divide you up. Right. And so you, you know, you're sitting with another person. I wasn't with Adrian. She was with somebody else, but I was sitting with this lady. And so you tell your story and you know, why you're there. And she, uh, so I obviously told, told, uh, why we're there and the experiences we had with no And She, uh, she goes on to tell me about how she had, uh, four children and previously about, I, I can't remember the exact timelines, but four or five years previous to that meeting, um, two of her children were killed on a motorcycle accident. Um, and she had gone through this group four years previously. And now she was at this group again because her other child had committed suicide because he never got over the fact of losing both of his siblings. And I remember God speaking very clearly and just like, you know, if this lady can get out of bed in the morning, like (laughs) how can I not? And, um, you know, we all have different levels of tragedy and different levels of reality and different circumstances that happen. But, um, yeah, that, that this perspective I had was not, you know, not something to be, um, held on to so tightly that it caused bitterness and, um, pain and, and, uh, you know, an inability to move forward. And so, you know, if this lady Carrie could, and her husband, you know, losing three adult kids and, and still had one. And yeah, I mean, it's just like overwhelming to me. And so I think, you know, I probably, you know, the fact that we were proactive and went to that group and sought out help when, when, you know, when we know we needed it, um, was certainly at least key for me. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah, thanks for sharing that. She um, she actually just wrote a curriculum for uh, teens and suicide, um, so I can get that information to you guys <laughs> later. But awesome for me, as far as um, perspective, that that is how that was the big shift for me. Is um, okay. 
So if I really believe God is who he says he is, that he's good, that he knows the number of our days, then I have to trust that he sees a bigger picture than I do. It doesn't mean I like it. It doesn't mean that um, I agree with the way that the universe was going down at that time. But I also just had a revelation of, you know, death is probably something different than I think it is. And seven months was how many months in days that Noah was created to be on this earth. And the kid never said a word, but in seven months, he changed my life and my perspective more than, you know, I don't know how, how old I was at the time. I was a lot younger. I was, I was 11 years younger than whatever I am right now. So I was like 10, but, um, but like, okay, so here I'm still here. Why am I here? And, um, life is short. That was another perspective shift and that you don't take anything with you. Um, that, like I was there with him, the Jason and I were with him when he took his last breath. We, we removed him from life support and he didn't take anything with him. And so it, it just was a, a reminder of what really matters. And it's actually the human beings, the people, the stories that we all have these stories and it's connecting on that heart level, um, that put it all into perspective for me um, and what has given me a different perspective as I meet new people, as I encounter, you know, other people's stories. It's um, like Jason was saying a little bit, he, it, it, we have these levels of tragedy or trauma in our lives, but it's not a competition. It's not a comparison. Like, you know, I, I'd been in settings where, people would share prayer requests and they knew that I had lost a child. And then they're like, well, I don't really know how to go after that. And it's like, no, are you (laughs) kidding me? Like, this is not like one person sucks worse than another. I mean, it's not like who can have the worst story, right? It's, it's um, entering into it together, no matter what, and realizing we're all going to have hard things. So instead of being afraid, going towards it and towards one another, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah and I actually, I mean, I, I look back on that time as even though it was incredibly difficult, uh, I look back on that time with fondness and thankfulness. I mean, that put us on a trajectory, put me personally on a trajectory of wanting to do something significant and important with my life um, that, um, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't be where I'm at today if, if that situation never happened. So now, how do your children, you know, process or live in the reality of that they have a brother that's not here with them? Uh, well, I think it's different for them because, you know, Emily was obviously four or five at the time when, when he passed away. Ryan, our youngest, um, was was not alive. So, you know, we try, we remember his life. We talk about him. Um, we, you know, with my seven-year-old son, every night I tell stories about how he and his brother go do adventures. Um, you still leave Emily out of those? <laughs> yeah. It's Man. a good sky adventures. Mine are always 
once upon a time, <laughs> Emily and Noah and Ryan went on a great these are, adventure. These are, these we are, make up stories. These are man adventures. Yeah, but apparently they only get man <laughs> So, I mean, we still celebrate his birthday and, you know, remember the day he passed away and, and every time we hear beautiful day by you too, yeah. we do a little dance. Cause that was Noah's song. Yeah. And so I think with my daughter, I mean, I think she, you know, she probably, she was four, uh, four during that time. And so, you know, I think it, I think she probably doesn't remember a whole lot, but I think she remembers certainly remembers him and the situation. And I, I definitely know she remembers living at the hospital for five months. Um, but again, that, you know, we, we tried our best to not make that traumatic. And that was, you know, just the reality that we're in at the time. And so, um, she actually loved, she loves hospitals and airports uh, because before she was two, she flew 30 times because free, <laughs> it's free, you know, your kid's free before two. And I was traveling and a lot. Jason traveled all the time. So we're like, hey, what the heck? Why not go with daddy? And then, um, but she loves hospitals. She's not afraid of them. And that was important because at first for me, you know, fear was my biggest or death was my biggest fear. Uh, leading up to this point. And now I'm like, oh, okay, that's not, uh, we all share that in common. It's not the end. But um, she said she was in preschool and she was like, I just want to be with you guys. And I was like, sure. I mean, what the heck are you going to learn in preschool anyway, right? I could teach your ABCs kids. So um, we brought her to the hospital and we had family in town helping um, Jason's mom, my parents and different family members helping. And so um, she would come, she'd just walk up that, the hallway, like she owned it. She'd go behind the nurse's station. She'd be pulling her aunts and uncles around in the wagon down the hallway. And um, she would jump up in Noah's crib and pull the curtain say, you know, I'm going to have a little time with my brother. And so we're like, oh, okay, you do that kid. So I'm really grateful she doesn't have a fear surrounding that. Um, it was more of a, you just enter into it. This is what we're doing. This episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Through Every Storm campaign. Now, the recent hurricanes got us thinking storms do come along. I mean, physical storms like Harvey and Irma, but also relational storms. Yeah, and in either case, preparation is key. The best time to prepare for a storm is when it hasn't hit yet, before there's even a cloud in the sky. And it's even possible to prepare for storms in your marriage. Yeah, when we first got married, I felt like we were always in reactive mode. Like any little bump in the road caused us to be caught off guard. For us, it was a career shift. It was a total catastrophe. We'd pump the drama up to 11, yell the roof off the joint, or, you know, just walk on eggshells trying to avoid any real interaction. And then we found some tools that really worked for us. And those tools gave us a way to be proactive instead of reactive, to start using simple ways to listen and to be heard and to seek the heart of each other. So we've created a brand new free resource for families, the Legendary Marriage Family Emergency Plan. So we share some tools that will get your marriage prepared for the storms that come along. 
Yeah, whether it's the weather outside or the clouds that are gathering in your bedroom, the Family Emergency Plan will give you the tools to have some powerful conversations that'll get you on the same page. And as a bonus, we're going to include an emergency supplies list to get your home prepared for the next storm. This is a resource that we think every family should have for the conversational aspect, but because there are some real practical, tangible resources there to help you be prepared in the case of an emergency. And now back to part two of our interview with Jason and Adrian Graves. It's what's your reality and your reality, even though it's, you know, in my nonprofit work, you know, with World Vision um, and previous to World Vision, I was with Compassion. And so, you know, seeing families in these incredibly difficult situations, but having tremendous amounts of hope and joy and um, life and generosity um, that, you know, the, all of this stuff is temporary and situational and, you know, you hold it very loosely and you hold the blessings with, you know, very loosely and you hold the tragedies very loosely because they can both come and go very quickly. Mm. Yeah. What great advice. I'm wondering, like, I know you two are both Christ followers and what were, you know, were there any thoughts or just longings of your heart that are, or, you know, maybe not so beautiful words that you had for God or, you know, maybe for each other, some, some thoughts that maybe you just weren't wanting to say out loud, but that you had in that time period. Did you want to share? Do you want... <laughs> well, there was a Go moment, <laughs> there was a moment when, you know, I, well, I had been bartering with God because I was a theology major and I went to we went, we met at a school where it emblazoned on the basketball court said, expect a miracle, you know? And, um, my theology was that I had faith bigger than a mustard seed, you know, like I had it all right. The whole Paul spiel about my credentials of trusting God. And I was, um, relaying, uh, replaying these back to God one day. And, and I, one, I said, where does it say there's, you know, you'll never give us more than we can handle. Cause this is, more than I can handle. I think that's, that's a load of shit, right? And then, um, and then I, there was one evening where a nurse came. So Noah, by this point, had already had like 40 primary nurses. Everybody loved him and wanted to sign up to work with him. And, um, but this girl was new and she came in and she uh, was adjusting his wires and his tubes and things like this. And he was making wonky sounds and, and, um, she didn't realize how we were collaborating care and things like that. And so she said, um, she patted his chest and she looked at me and she said, my patient, my machine. <laughs> and it was very patronizing. And at that moment, so one of my little soapboxes that I've always said is there's no such thing as a secret, but I finally, like at that moment, I, I was dropping serious F-bombs in my head and I'm like, you lady, are you kidding me? And, um, so I needed to go take a breath. Right. And so I went out, just got lost in the hallways at night somewhere in the hospital. And I found myself in, at the end of a dark hallway on the floor, just crying out to God. And I, I finally said what everything that had been on my heart. And this is like, I was a woman's pastor you know, I'm supposed to be like having my 
my stuff together. And I said, yeah, right. Clean up, button up. And I said, are you kidding me, Lord? Are you kidding me? My kid is dying in a hospital and you aren't healing him. I have faith more than a mustard seed. Why aren't you just healing him? And then I waited because I fully expected to be struck by lightning because I just said this, you know, bad word multiple times um, to God. And instead, what I experienced was that no such thing as a secret. Like I was fully known and I was still radically like, like so adored and loved by God. It hadn't changed it. But I finally realized it and recognized it. It wasn't because I had my act together, because I um, was behaving like a good, you know, Christian pastor, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was just me and God having a conversation and we were being real together. And so, um, yeah, in that moment, I had this peace come over me, which is really cool because Noah's name uh, means peace. Noah means peace. And in the Hebrew, it's actually uh, translated shalom. And the definition of shalom is that there's nothing missing and there's nothing broken. Mm. And so I, I said, um, I said to God, I said, um, you know, the only good outcome is that he could be healed. Uh, because what good could possibly come from this? And then I said, Lord, do you have any idea what it's like to lose a son? Yeah. And yeah, he's like, well, <laughs> he's like, well, incidentally, Adrian, I kind of do, but you know, I, that peace came over me and I went back to Noah's room and I didn't have, I didn't know what the outcome would be. Like if he would live or if he would die, if anyone would know what the heck was going on with him, because he was never given a diagnosis. So in, in Western medicine, if you do not have a diagnosis, they will not treat you. So even symptoms or whatever, there's no, there's no course of treatment. And so it was just a big question mark for five months at the hospital. And um, I, I just said, Lord, I, I don't like this. I'm kind of mad at you, but I think you're big enough creator of the entire universe that you can handle me pounding your chest and um yeah it was kind of cool too because in that situation um I felt like he showed me where the whole you know God will never give us more than we can handle like that's not even scriptural um right (laughs) but he that's some like you know cliche people think it's in the bible or something yeah (laughs) Um, but the truth is he does like, we do experience on earth way more than we can handle. And he showed me, um, Jesus praying the same prayer three times in the garden of Gethsemane. Um, he's like, take this cup from me, take this cup from me, take this cup from me, but nevertheless, your will be done. And so, um, that was where he showed me, yeah, actually this is more than you can handle. I never meant for you to walk this alone, you know? And so, yeah. So not only are you, you're not alone, you've got your husband with you, but um, I'm sure you probably had friends and family that surrounded you in that time. Just for our listeners, I know there's lots of people that, you know, are going through some sort of loss in their life. Um, what was a way that um, really touched your heart that was helpful um, 
that your friends and family did for you or said for you in that time? Yeah. So the way I describe that is really just a a ministry of presence, right? So that I think the most impactful thing for us was at the time we were, um, we had started going to this small, very small, small church. It was a startup, right? So there's maybe, I don't know, 50, 75 people. Um, and, um, so, you know, they, they organized, um, they would bring meals to our family at the hospital, you know, five days a week, um, uh, five, you know, for dinners, five nights a week. And we would sit with, you know, we'd say, Hey, people would come and want to drop it off. We're like, no, 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 just hang out with us for a little bit. Right. Like sit here and just be with us. And, and so got to know, you know, the pastors and the pastors wives and some of the key members of that church. And, um, you know, to me, that was, that was probably the most impactful thing was, you know, I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to really do anything. I mean, it's nice that you bring me food. I like food. I like people to make me food. I, I, I like it. Too. I, I like it even better. I like food even better when somebody else makes it, but you know, just come hang out, right. And be around. And so, I mean, that's, that would be my advice is, um, you know, if you have this thought that, oh, that makes me uncomfortable or of course it's going to be uncomfortable. It's tragedy, right? Like, but you should go to the pain. You should go to the uncomfortableness. Cause that's where real, you know, that's where real life happens. And so, you know, um, just be there for people, be present. Um, you don't need to say a whole lot. Um, ask how you can help. They're probably not going to know how you can help because they can't even really process what's happening to them at the moment. Um, um, but just, just be and be there for people who are going through tragedy um, is, it, it can be a really, really life-giving um, gift that people can give. It's important. I think we need to hear that over and over again. Be there, just show up. Yep. Uh, it, it, we do. We wrap up so much in it. We take, you know, when when we're walking with somebody through something, we start to try to take on the 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 responsibility to make it better out of our own discomfort, like you said. Or and or, that's not really possible. Yeah. So. And it's not possible. And it's yeah. It just be there. I love it. So, guys, uh, uh, we ask this question of everybody, and and I'm really curious uh, how you'll answer. But what do you think it takes to build a legendary marriage? You have to be friends. And you have to remember why you were even attracted to each other in the first place. Like what drew you to that person? And remind yourself of that. Um, think one thing that we have practiced is forgiving quickly. Uh, that whole don't go to bed when you're mad. Um, even if we don't have the conflict resolved, um, we will bring closure to a degree before bedtime. We've never done the whole, like you're hitting the couch tonight thing. That's never been the thing. Thank God for king size beds, right? They're big enough. You're like, stay on your side. Amen. (laughs) Um, you don't, and and you don't have to always agree either. Right. right. Well, that's something Jason taught me because, um, when we were dating, so I grew up in a household where my dad said, 
because I'm the dad. That's why, because I'm the dad. I said so. That's why. And end of discussion. Well, that, that manifested its own way in each of us kids. And for me personally, when I came out from under that roof, I was like, by God, I'm going to win one argument with whomever. Right. So I had to be right. Um, I had to have the last word and Jason, uh, I was trying to convince him to think my way and everything. And just remember I'm 18. Right. So, and I took a psych class. So, you know, you go home and you tell your parents like, Oh my gosh, we have a dysfunctional family. And the only smart ass response my dad gives is like, yeah, I bring the fun to dysfunctional. Okay. So anyway, Jason, after a couple fights, he says, you know, it's okay to disagree. And I was like, the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's not. And he's like, no, actually, like it's okay to disagree and have different opinions and, have, and different perspectives. Yeah, and and so I've I would say I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit here. I've actually like become a student of that and have learned from him and tried and and applied that to my own life. It's my own mantra now. It's actually okay to disagree. It's kind of one of the mantras of Bevy and my nonprofit is we share stories. You know, we are, the reason we have to share these stories is because we all have a different perspective and it's important to sit in the tension of that and offer that, um, especially in marriage. And the other thing is um, I had a picture of a boxing ring and it's only the lie, right? That the enemy wants to come to steal, kill and destroy and that we wrestle the other thing is that we wrestle against flesh and blood not against principal or we wrestle against we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities of darkness so the reality is is if you're married you're in the same corner of that boxing ring and the only opponent is the enemy of our hearts not one another and so like having to pause, take some deep breaths and get back into the right corner because, you know, you're in it together. Yeah. Uh, probably the way I would answer that question, I would agree with everything Adrian just said. My perspective would be is that it's, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, like you won, you won, you won that argument. No, you are right. R R R. Uh, okay to disagree, and it's okay to agree too. Yeah, no, but I, yeah. so I, you know, what I would layer on that is I, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, it's about being selfless. Life, life is like that, right? The more, the more you serve others, the more you serve your spouse, your children, your boss, your employees the more life comes back to you and the more full life you have and you do anything for selfish gain and and you may not even realize it, but more things, you know, it's, it's just like the parrot. That's a complete paradox of Christianity, right? The more you try and serve yourself, (laughs) the, the worse your life gets. And so I think the more selfless we can be, uh, towards our spouse, towards our family, um, you know, if you're not married to, you know, your friends and, and your siblings and your parents, I mean, the more selfless you can be, um, and put yourself in other people's shoes and perspective and see their side. Um, uh, uh, to me, that's, that's the key to deep relationships and, 
and a deep understanding of uh, other people. Man, so much good stuff there. I'm, I just want to thank you two both for being just radically vulnerable and just open. I know our listeners are just going to gain so much from this. Um, and we will include in the show notes how to find you and on your nonprofit and so that our listeners can send you some love. Thanks so much for being on the show today, Adrian and Jason. Thanks for having Thank you. Us, you guys. Yeah, thanks for your show. Yeah. So their honesty is bar none the thing that I love about Jason and yes. Adrian. I mean, I don't know how you could possibly... Well, I don't know how you could possibly anyway. But... I don't know how you could possibly go through the death of your baby and not want to curse out God and drop some F-bombs. Yeah. You know, and she touched on this. She said something to the effect of, you know, and his shoulders are big enough for that. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to take a minute to, to reiterate that. I think it's so important to understand that, yes, we don't want to be disrespectful or dishonor God, use the Lord's name in vain, anything like that. And yet... We have all been in that place. Maybe it's the loss of, of a child or a parent or a, a death, a disappointment, a betrayal, something. We've all had that moment where all that comes out is just screaming, railing, ranting against, against God. And, and I want to say, can, can we just give ourselves a little bit of grace here? Because I'm pretty darn sure he has grace for us in those moments. And not only grace, but it's like, I think he honors just being raw with him. Yes. It's not frowned upon. I think it's smiled upon in, in a weird sort of way. Yeah. It is a weird way. And I do see Jesus just kind of smile and go, that's my kid. That, yeah. Yeah. Um, and And I see him sharing anger and fear and doubt and, and, sorrow in those moments with us. Absolutely. And I know that it's such a tough thing to go through. And like Jason and Adrian mentioned, there were friends, there were family, even strangers that would want to come and bring them meals and things. And what they really loved was when people just spent time with them. They didn't have the perfect words. They didn't have the perfect sentiment or whatever. They were just there with them and they just we're being. And so I want to challenge you this week. If you have someone in your life, and I'm sure there is someone whose life is just turned upside down in this moment, just go and be with them, whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. Just be there. And again, it doesn't have to be a world ending catastrophic thing that's going on in their life. You've got a friend who's going through something at work, going through something in their marriage, going through something with their kids, whatever it is. Just show up. Like you don't have to fix it. You don't have to solve it. Just show up. And then come join the conversation in our free community on Facebook. It's a private group for men and women to support, encourage, inspire, and share about transforming your marriage from ordinary to legendary. You can search for the group on Facebook. Just look for Legendary Marriage Group. Or you can visit legendarymarriage.com slash community, and it'll take you right there. You can find this episode and the show notes at legendarymarriage.com slash 046. Once again, don't forget to jump on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show so we know how we're doing and other couples can find us. Have a good one. 
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.